Welcome to Research Uncensored, a podcast by Research FDI, your trusted investment attraction and business intelligence partner. Join me, Bruce Tackethman, and my co-host, Amber Hunter, as we bring you behind the scenes with economic development professionals around the world. We're going to find out the real stories behind the project wins and get to know some of the top players in the game today. We would like to thank the Next Move Group for sponsoring today's podcast. Next Move Group helps small to medium-sized companies, communities, and organizations create economic growth through executive searches that assist economic development organizations with hiring quality EDO professionals. They also provide site selection services to manufacturers, in addition to a suite of products designed to help organizations be successful. Welcome to another episode of Research Uncensored. Joined today by my guest co-host, Erica Bagner. Erica, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Bruce. Thanks. How are you? Well, Erica, of course, is filling in for Amber Hunter, who's on maternity leave with her beautiful daughter, Paige. So, Erica, what's going on? Yeah, I'm I'm doing well. Back in Montreal, just returned uh, from Scotland, actually. It was my first uh, time going overseas in the last uh, two, three years. So it was really great to be at the World FDI Forum in Edinburgh. Uh, got to see some clients, got to connect with a lot of new agencies that I haven't met before. Some international agencies were there, such as Invest Hong Kong. I met with their London office, which is timely since they will be on our podcast today. Oh, that's great. I, I think you also connected with our old friend, Eric Miller. I think he was there as well, eh? Yes, uh, connected with Eric Miller from the state of Michigan. And, you know, as I said, Invest Hong Kong London won't be on our, our show today, but we will have our guest from Invest Hong Kong Toronto on. So just want to clarify that. But uh, yeah, no, I got to see Eric Miller. I'm trying to think a couple of groups from Florida were there. Uh, some of the uh, uh, investment promotion agencies from Turkey, Qatar. So it was a really international showing in Scotland this year. So it was great to see so many different groups out there. Awesome. I'm glad you had a great experience. And speaking of great experiences, we're about to have one as we're having Chris Chen, the head of Invest Hong Kong in Toronto, joining us today. Yes, exactly, Bruce. Super excited to have Chris on the call today with us. Uh, Chris is the head of investment promotion uh, for Canada for Invest Hong Kong. So he actually covers the the vast territory of Canada from Vancouver all the way to Newfoundland. Uh, he's a native of Vancouver, but uh, lives in Toronto and will be talking to us about his experiences uh, working in promoting Hong Kong to Canadian companies looking to set up a footprint in Asia. And he really took on that role just uh, in October of 2019, right before COVID hit. So he's had to really uh, develop some new strategies using some new technology to, to help promote Invest Hong Kong. So it'll be exciting to hear how he has transformed uh, Invest Hong Kong Toronto in the last few years. All right. Well, I say without further ado, let's bring him on. All right, let's welcome our next guest all the way from Hogtown. Please welcome Chris Chen. Welcome to the program. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, it's been obviously great collaboration working with your team in Toronto. Can you talk about, I guess, your personal transition from the private sector and I guess moving on to economic development working for Invest Hong Kong? Well, this is a story that goes back a long way. I've actually always wanted to be in international trade and development all the way back to my bachelor years in university. Uh, however, getting into such a field um, from university is not the easiest thing. So I actually took a very, very long detour through digital consulting, financial services and fintech uh, for about a period of about 20, 20 plus years, 25 years, and then eventually found myself into the public sector uh, with InvestHK. Um, the transition was a bit of a shock, 
uh, things work very differently uh, in the public sector uh, versus the private sector. Um, the KPIs are not uh, as, say, profit-oriented. They're more along the lines of social and economic development, thereby meaning that uh, you know, a KPI, for example, would be how many companies are met or how many companies or entities uh, have successfully um, soft-landed in the Hong Kong jurisdiction, as opposed to how many leads did you generate and how many leads were converted to an actual hard sell. Yeah, great. Well, and I know, uh, Chris, uh, before you you had this position in Toronto, it was held by Shirley Wong, who who I knew personally, and I and I think she had the job for for what thirty years. Uh, so she was really a staple in Invest Hong Kong. Can you tell us a little bit about? Did you have any opportunities to work with her before she left, and what kind of advice she was able to give you to taking on this new role? We had about a two week overlap where she essentially tutored me as much as she could within that two weeks on how to do this job. <clears throat> but one of the core pieces of advice that she gave me upon her departure was that I was going to make this role all my own. Um, we didn't actually see a lot of carry-through overlap between her role and my role, or rather her the way she did it and the way I'm doing it. The reason being is that the environment for foreign direct investment had completely changed um, uh, towards the latter uh, the last one or two years of her job and uh, going into what I was doing, um, the evolution of FDI had become um, much more fast paced and uh, didn't really resemble what she had been doing. Um, she had, her job had been mostly uh, events focused, um, meeting people face to face. And she had the advantage that um, Hong Kong back then didn't have, didn't have as many competitors in the FDI space. So she literally had the luxury of companies, entities coming to InvestHK and inquiring directly. Um, by the time I took this job, uh, such a phenomenon wasn't really happening. Um, Hong Kong was actively competing against other economic jurisdictions, uh, most notably Singapore, uh, Shanghai, Beijing, uh, even Shenzhen, uh, now, Hong Kong's partner in the Greater Bay Area uh, is actively uh, canvassing uh, companies and uh, organizations to uh, to soft land there. Um, mm -hmm. And then another thing that happened was that you know, Hong Kong was undergoing a period of difficulty in the uh, public demonstrations that were being held um, by um, by uh, by the protesters. And as soon as that was over, COVID hit. So the whole thing had to be transitioned over to a digital front. And uh, during Shirley's day, that didn't exist. So I had to rapidly find digital methodologies of prospect generation um, that even for InvestHK was fairly new. And you know, suffice to say, um, after doing this for about two years, um, the Toronto Investment Promotion Unit is actually in the lead when it comes to dig digital methodologies. Uh, most because we had no legacy to work off of. We didn't have a strong history in events. We didn't have a history. Um, we didn't have a, a rich network, a, a rich Rolodex of business cards that we could just pull out names out of a hat and say, hey, how are you doing? Uh, you know, remember us, because uh, we didn't have that at all. Um, we didn't have the infrastructure. We didn't have the, the, the manpower. 
we didn't have the uh, the events um, to continue what Shirley was doing. So uh, it is, in essence, we really built this from scratch. That sounds that's really interesting, Chris. So in terms of uh, what you just said about uh, Toronto being a leader in Invest HK, can you talk to us a bit about how that has looked? And what are some of the tools that, that you've used? Well, uh, we did a lot of virtual events. We did a lot of virtual lead generation. I mean, uh, we did the we we have we're utilizing Research FDI uh, for our digital lead generation. Uh, we're doing a lot of uh, networking via um, online platforms. Um, you know, for better for, or for worse, those platforms do work to some degree. Um, and because I mean, we didn't have any resistance to it mm-hmm. compared to other investment promotion units where um, they held on to the need to do the large mega events um, around the world. We didn't have any to go to. Um, we didn't we couldn't negotiate any any particular package deals with them because we had no history with them. And so we dove headfirst into digital methodology um, more so than other investment promotion units. And that got noticed by headquarters. Um, it got noticed enough that uh, our digital lead, promo- uh, digital lead generation programs actually became a showcase uh, for other IPUs to follow. Now, of course, not all of them did. Some of them are still quite resistant to the new digital methods. And as the world is reemerging from COVID, um, they will they will just go back to the large events that in booths that they've always done. However, I see a value in digital lead generation. Um, it is actually a very good background service to have, even if we do go towards events, and we are, we are uh, we are moving uh, to live events uh, slowly but surely. But uh, we see digital digital lead generation programs have proven themselves to us enough that we will continue to use it. So I guess that explains why uh, every time I go on LinkedIn, I see you on a new panel uh, speaking uh, on a on a webinar panel, life science or tech related uh, primarily. So that's, I guess, one of the examples of how you've been using digital lead generation. Um, just just quickly, can you tell us about some of the opportunities that you're seeing in terms of Canada, Canadian companies looking at Hong Kong? What are the sectors that you've seen have been growth sectors for you? Um, I would definitely say that uh, innovation technology broken down into smaller subsectors such as life science, biomedical, biotech, uh, pharmaceutical um, have always had had some sort of uh, pipeline to Hong Kong. Uh, I would definitely say that financial services and fintech um, is definitely an area where Canada has shown some strength. Um, that also probably has something to do with the fact that I come from that background. And so, um, you know, there's, there's an obvious, there's an obvious, uh, um, relationship there. Um, in terms of, uh, sectors that we're trying to grow, we've been working on food tech. Uh, we're working on the high tech aspect of consumer, uh, such as interactive technologies for, for, uh, retail or e-commerce, um, in terms of food tech, we've been working on uh, pet foods um, and uh, packaging. 
Now, Chris, uh, you mentioned uh, the kind of transition to digital lead generation um, and then the kind of p- people moving back. Have you started to meet those companies you met digitally in person in Canada? And then what challenges have you faced with, um, I guess, site visits for companies that wanted to, wanted to visit Hong Kong? How have you dealt with uh, some of the challenges uh, uh, that COVID has brought for that traditional process? Well, this, this certainly the single biggest challenge, which seems to be unique to some Asian countries, is the fact that uh, there's a quarantine. Um, in the old days, you, you know, you'd, you'd get off of the plane, get into your hotel. You actually you don't even go to your hotel first. You go directly to your business meeting uh, with your suitcase in tow, do your meetings, and then go to the hotel to crash. Um, with Hong Kong having uh, a strict quarantine place, which is now down to one week, um, that has made uh, the foreign direct investment pipeline extremely difficult. And so we've had to work around We've had to work around that, and the methodology that we found that was most effective was um, accelerators or um, partnership programs, uh, fast-track and matching programs, that allow companies to make the necessary connections for, say, funding or partnerships online first. Um, and I cite uh, InvestHK's uh, global fast track programs, specifically for fintech companies, in programs being run by the Hong Kong Science and Technology Parks, which allow an initial vetting and initial meetings to take place over Zoom or Google Meet or what have you. And in, in essence, these are the first meetings. Uh, they're, you know, uh, actually being physically in Hong Kong is not necessary until the company has basically signed the deal and agreed to build a sandbox for the potential business partner or to receive funding. So basically in the old days, you'd go over there um, and then you get the business deal uh, to get started. Uh, now it's you, you do the meetings online, potentially sign online, but on the condition that you go there after the signing. So the commitment has been reversed but there's still a commitment, and actually that commitment is now even stronger uh, because the demand that uh, the request that your company be in Hong Kong or be in the Greater Bay Area <clears throat> to, say, build your proof of concept or your sandbox is part of the deal. Um, you have to be there, um, and if there's a quarantine, you have to do the quarantine because you've already received the money to do it. That, that's definitely interesting, Chris, in terms of a, a way that you've been able to, that Hong Kong has been able to get around the, the restrictions. And as you said, maybe even make it a positive in the end to getting companies to set up there. So so thanks a lot for sharing. It does have limitations. I mean, it it's only meant for a specific sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Right now, it only applies to the fintech sector. Now, that you know, for Hong Kong, that's relatively good because Hong Kong is a fintech center anyways. But, uh, you know, it doesn't apply to any of the other it doesn't apply to any of the other sectors, which is a shame. Chris, could you speak on the the, the great startup ecosystem in Hong Kong? I know in the years past, obviously, you know, great facilities like Cyberport Hong Kong in the south were you know, uh, going ahead and creating startups. Can you talk about the startup ecosystem in Hong Kong and some of the opportunities for I guess, young and emerging companies to grow in Hong Kong and as a gateway to Asia and the rest of the world? Sure, I'd be happy to. First of all, I'd like to talk a little bit about the growth of startup companies. Since 2017, you've seen a five-fold growth in terms of the amount of startups 
uh, as well as the amount of people who are working for startups. And startups are a great place for people uh, who are, you know, relatively younger than your 30s and 40s. So people who are in their 20s actually should consider um, Hong Kong a great place to get to get started in the startup world. Um, one of the uh, biggest benefits of Hong Kong is actually the the amount of capitalization that is located there. Uh, you may or may not know, but Hong Kong is actually a focal point for uh, renminbi trading. Seventy uh, percent of China's renminbi is actually funneled through Hong Kong uh, on its way out to the outside world for outside investment. And conversely, a lot of foreign currencies are funneled via Hong Kong into uh, mainland China. So what that does is actually creates this very concentrated center of capitalization and funding uh, where a lot of investment managers are looking both uh, looking both ways. There are Chinese investors looking to invest in the outside world, and so they actually go through Hong Kong investment managers. And there's a lot of outside interest looking into China, particularly in the Shenzhen and the Greater Bay Area, uh, looking for that next unicorn. And because you know uh, China is a connections-based uh, economy, uh, it is quite normal to actually start in Hong Kong first to find that entry point into Shenzhen. Uh, and actually leverage those um, those pre-existing um, uh, relationships. So, you know, Hong Kong is a center for global banking and uh, and insurance and asset management. Uh, it is the world's third largest financial center and the first in Asia in terms of banking uh, and uh, asset management and insurance um, outside of, say, Australia, which is pretty much its own, its own economy. Um, so. Basically, if you're a company looking to get in, if you're a if you're in a if you're a startup looking for capitalization, you know there is an anecdote. It's actually easier to find funding in Asia than it is in Canada. You know that is, uh, I I can't necessarily say that is actually true, but when you hear that many many times across the different uh, conferences and trade shows that you've been to, plus from enough VCs, um, you you are you are inclined to think that is true. Thank you, Chris. Um, so what's the best way for Canadian companies to get in touch with you um, online or on, on your website? Um, there are two ways. One is the InvestHK website. Uh, my, my face and my contact details are actually uh, listed in overseas contacts. The other one is to uh, visit the uh, Hong Kong Economic Trade Office uh, Canada website, and you'll have my contact details there as well. well we appreciate you coming on the program. Thanks so much. And I look forward to seeing you in Toronto real soon. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you guys too. Thank you all for tuning in. You can find us on the web at www.researchfdi.com, on LinkedIn, and on Twitter at ResearchFDI. Tune in next week as we have another guest from the economic development world. 